right. Now we are live on all three platforms. Okay. Welcome all. Um, okay. Um, first of all, these rooms fill up slowly, so it'll... Uh, this will be um, a long ways until we get enough people in the room to actually um, start the discussion. But I have lots of things to say tomorrow. So, Ben, I don't know if you know anything about crypto or care. I am so honored to be a friend. <laughs> Let me tell you. Seriously. Um, yes, I do. Um, I am a little rusty. Um, I have friends who are um, were sort of pioneers in crypto. Um, that I, the, the people who did who are doing that whole community in Puerto Rico. Those are all my buddies. I've known them for years. Oh. They've always tried to get me to buy property in Puerto Rico. So I don't know if you know Brock Pierce and Michael Turpin and all those people from Los Angeles. Oh my gosh, those Brock are my peeps. Of course. Yeah, I've known Brock forever. I knew him when he was in the TV business. Oh, wow. But, um, but I, I was, and they were always telling me to, Ben, you got to buy some Bitcoin. You got to get, I mean, and this was back in 2013, 2014. But eventually, uh, they convinced me to take a job where I got paid in cryptocurrency. And this was back in 2015. And it was with uh, Halsey Miner, who was the founder of uh, CNET. And it's, oh it's amazing gosh, because I what we were. Halsey Minor, of course, I remember him. Yeah. All right. Now, and, and Halsey then went on to uh, uh, start Salesforce and then uh, uh, Google Voice. So he's, he's one of those guys. But he partnered with a, a, a Argentinian design firm to develop a virtual reality uh, world, uh, basically a metaverse, <laughs> but in 2015, uh, where, which was based on cryptocurrency called voxels. And they paid me in voxels. And I oh, didn't know I remember shit the voxels. Of, okay, you know what this is about? <laughs> no, but I, I know voxels. Go on. All right, so finish, they paid. Finish your story and paid. then we'll start the room. All right, yes, yeah, so I'll, I'll make it short. So they, they paid me in voxels, uh, and they paid me half of what my rate would be, but they guaranteed that it would increase, you know, four or five-fold. And, of course, it did. It kept on going down, 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 and I never cashed it out. So at one point, I said, you know, I'm, I, I'm not going to work for, like, five cents an hour. So they, like, made good, and they gave me enough voxels to, to give me, like, $18,000 for, like, three months' worth of work. And uh, and I sat on it for a while, <laughs> and, and eventually cashed out. Well, oh, this was 2016, so right. you got to think of the time 2016, 2017, and and uh, it sat there for. And in Bitcoin, you know, it was go four hundred dollars, six hundred dollars. It was bouncing around. So uh, at at one point, it start it started going crazy in May. And I ended up cashing out at about five times. I, I made about, I turned my $18,000 into $80,000, which I, oh, I thought that exactly was great. Exactly like my story. Exactly All right, like but, but the amount of voxels that I had in August of uh, 2017, if I would have waited till December, they would have been worth $2.4 million. There was that <laughs> voxels had gone from one penny to ninety nine cents. Wow. So, so yeah, I made I made eighty thousand dollars, which I was happy. But if I would have gone to sleep and woken up on January first, I would have been a multimillionaire. And my oh. turpin became a gazillionaire. My turpin's worth more money than uh, than even Brock. Okay, let's back. Anyway, so yes, that's my story. Let's backtrack a little. I have a similar story. I invested $100 in 2013, and I, in 2017, I looked at it for the first time in four years, and my $100 had become $53,000. And so I took $50,000 out, and I did work on my house that I wanted to do. And um, 
and then I then Bitcoin crashed. And fortunately, I only had three thousand dollars left in it when it crashed, and it it came back up again in twenty twenty or something like that. And I needed to make more、um, changes to my house, and I took it out again, and、um, and I had maybe a thousand dollars, and it was twenty thousand. It had gone from my three thousand had become twenty thousand. And so I took it out again, and and、uh, left a little bit in, and I still have like I'm going to say two tenths of a bitcoin. But here's here's what I want to do today. I want to talk to people who have never bought cryptocurrency, and I I want to not、um, not talk about crypto so much as a, a, you know. Uh, these kinds of stories, but I want to talk about whether there is a reason to buy cryptocurrency and what it is and how it works for people who don't know too much about it. Because we are people who got in early, and I have I have mixed feelings now about what I tell people about crypto because it's no longer early and the. Gyrations are not the same. Um, I think we lost、uh, Barbara for just a brief moment there. We'll be right back. Hi, Alexander. Welcome, and Ben as well, always, and Barbara. So let me just start. The, like, hi, Ben. Go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. Well, no, no, no. I, I'm Because I'm actually sitting here in West Africa, and I never know whether、uh, my network's going down or not. But is Doctor Francine still there?、Uh, she she just、uh, actually had a disconnect there because I noticed that both、okay. her connections are off.、Um, All right, but I'm sorry. No, no, no. It's great, and、uh, and also、uh, for everyone,、uh, welcome to another episode of the Karma Club with Doctor Francine Hardaway. And the goal today was basically to just cover the basics. Uh, for a lot of people who are inquiring, of course, this is not、uh, to be taken as strong advice, but we're trying to do it in a way that、uh, could have a, a meaningful discussion about the topic because the underlying、uh, technology, at least from my standpoint, is、uh, robust and it's good. But I think going forward, a lot of people、uh, are lost among the marketing, and I'm sure Alexandra and Ben and all of you have heard all the talks in different rooms. There are many of you who do great rooms, especially Alexandra, Ben. I've been in some, and so we, Dr. Francine wanted to、um, wanted to cover some of the basics going forward, so that people are better uh, armed uh, to negotiate some of these um, uh, new developments that are coming our way, if I could put it that way. And I think she's coming right back. Or actually, I'm getting a notification from Twitter Spaces as well. By the way, this show is TriCaster right now with all audiences on all platforms to、so, be able to communicate with each other. Pardon? Hi, welcome back, Francine. Hi. So,、okay. uh, Hi. what is the core question here? What exactly are you looking to find out information about? New regulatory structures, how investing in crypto works per se, what the point of crypto is, how blockchain works,、uh, what investment potential there is. What exactly are you looking to discuss here today? I'm looking to discuss what crypto is and what the blockchain is, and then move into why invest in it. Okay. So I can handle that,、um, unless someone else wants to. I can. No, I knew you that. could.、That's、okay. <laughs> so, what is blockchain? Blockchain is a specific technology that solves a specific purpose.、Um, blockchain is essentially a、um, an immutable ledger of transactions. So, if you look at it at its core, what you're looking at is.、Um, A, a neutral third party that validates that a transaction has occurred, and whatever was supposed to be transferred from both parties to that transaction did in fact transfer, and that is the record of what remains. So, 
instead of so it's easiest in my opinion to think of it as um, as triple entry accounting so single entry accounting is basically saying uh, you go to market and you have three goats and someone else had uh, it has a farm that has wheat and hay right so the goats are in spring your hay isn't ready until you know August I'm assuming you know North America here so I say okay I've got these three goats I'm gonna need some wheat um, your your stuff isn't ready yet, and so uh, the you you're the farmer, and you say, um, okay, if you give me the goats, uh, I'm going to give this little piece of paper to you, which of course is you know it's a clay thing and it's like carved in or whatever. But let's pretend everybody has the same um, you know general writing skills, etc. So you give me a piece of paper that says I owe you one bale of wheat. Right. I give you my goats. We go home uh, and then a few months pass. And then I go to your farm and I say, hey, here's this piece of paper. Um, uh, you got to give me a bale of wheat. And um, and the guy says, I don't I don't remember you at all. But OK, you got this piece of paper. Um, that's I'm going to give you the wheat. Now, what happens, though, if if someone steals that um, that uh, paper so they get to claim the, the wheat? What if it falls out of my pocket and I can't I don't have it anymore? But I'm like, but you still owe me. This is why single entry accounting doesn't work because it doesn't actually track the whole transaction. It's mostly just an IOU. It doesn't track the other side. So it could be somebody could fraudulently say that you owe them or somebody could uh, take on that that um, claim without having a right to take on that claim. So then double entry accounting comes in. This is the Venetian system that we've been using since uh, since roughly the 17th century, which is essentially saying a piece of paper saying, I gave you uh, uh, three goats and you owe me a bale of hay and or a bale of wheat and on you have the same record saying I owe you a bale of wheat because you gave me three goats. So now we have you know at least records saying what each side has done, but again you have this problem of fraud. Or what if I give you the goats, you say yeah I owe you um, a bale of wheat, but then someone comes around along and offers a crap ton of money for all the wheat that you have before I get there. Then you owe me wheat, but you don't have any. What do we do about that? He can say, well, you know, I didn't write this entry. I don't know how you got it. For all I know, you wrote both entries. So now what we have is blockchain, which is this third-party accounting, which says, I gave you three goats. You say you you, um, you owe me a, a bale of wheat. And then this independent third party standing there says, yep, yep, that's what happened. That's what that is, is basically saying, yep, that happened. That is what occurred. You can't spend one of those bales of wheat. If you try to spend those wheat, you have to leave one bale behind because remember, you owe this person because you took her goats. So that is what the nature of blockchain is. Fundamentally, it's the ability to ensure that people don't fraudulently try to access assets that aren't theirs or they don't have a right to them. They can't claim that somebody who has a legitimate right to something doesn't have that right. And if you have a quantity of something that you owe, you cannot uh, allocate that to someone else because it's already been pre-allocated. That's like spending your rent money on a club, right? Or like going out, you know, going out to eat and spending your rent money. The blockchain's like, no, no, you know, you don't have that money. It's allocated already. That transaction happened. That is officially no longer in your free spending account. So that's the double spend problem. That's a very, very rough overview. There's a lot of technical detail in there that um, that I have not included because I don't think it suits purpose for just understanding what the blockchain is. So what is crypto? The way that this system developed, and you may have heard of the Satoshi Nakamoto paper, there are many different ways that you could create a system that has uh, an independent third party that verifies that transactions have occurred or um, can prevent or, or, or can easily show that a false transaction is trying to get in, right? There are many ways you could have done that. Um, but the way that was chosen in this paper is actually using a banking system that evolved in the 70s, which is a token transfer system where if a bank says, um, like, uh, if I write a check to you and I have Wells Fargo and you have, are there any other banks that exist? I don't even know anymore, but like, let's say City, right? 
Wells Fargo and Citi use a token system to communicate uh, between each other to verify that uh, assets that are coming from my account are going to your account and those assets are no longer allocated to my account. So that's the token system that is the core of um, blockchain, which is very funny that it, it came out of the banking crisis and wanting to remove or disintermediate banks from being able to uh, control access to money. Um, but they used a banking system, which I think is funny, combined with um, a system from the 80s called Hashcash and some other technology. They combined this in toge- together into this like stew and made this system that is blockchain. And the way it functions from the sense of how does crypto work, this is the core use of crypto. If you think of blockchain as a toll road, right, that goes from one point to another, um, if your toll road, uh, you know how toll roads work, right? You have to access the toll road with, a, with some money, and then the farther you go on the road, the more money you deposit, and then when you exit, you know, you pay more money. And those are the fees to maintain the road, et cetera. Those are basically use fees for accessing the toll road. So, um, so if you have a road that goes from some very cool place to some other very cool place, then people are going to want to ride on that toll road, even if there's nothing interesting on it. They're going to want to use that road. So instead of putting in coins like like fiat money, there's um, more like a uh, it's a use a crypto coin, which is a um, an encrypted token that um, is essentially what you use to access that road or that blockchain platform. And then you have to pay more based on like if you have a truck instead of a car, a truck costs more because a truck has more work that it commit that it that it exercises on a road. Um, if you have so if you have a bigger um, document or something that you want to transfer bigger things cost more in transaction fees than small things, right? So these coins are just transaction fees for using the road, and they are the way that stuff travels on the road. You can't access that chain without actually putting money in, which is that cryptocurrency that powers that chain. And then the, the more you want to do on it, or the, the uh, heavier the load you place on it, the more it costs. But also, there's surge pricing, right? So let's say um, either everybody wants to go from point A to point B, right, on that, that one cool road. It's basically the fastest way to get from Miami to New York. People love Miami. They love New York. They all want to use that system because it is the best way to get between places. So there's a line of people. Um, so in that case, they say, hey, everybody wants to travel on this road right now. So we're going to increase the price so that, uh, first of all, um, we can because all these people want to travel on it. But also, if we increase the price enough, some people will leave. So the traffic won't be so heavy. So, you know, it'll be, again, the fastest way to travel between uh, Miami and New York. So that's surge pricing to reduce traffic. You can do surge pricing also to uh, because you can take the benefit of so much demand. Now, demand can happen even if, say, your your road goes from Des Moines to uh, you know um, Peoria. Not to denigrate either of those cities, but clearly not as much in demand as Miami and New York. So you've got this Des Moines to Peoria road. And it gets not much traffic, right? So it's not expensive to go on this road because there's not much demand on it. But suddenly a casino decides to put itself on that road. That's cool. People are now going on the road to go to the casino. Then because there's a casino, there's also a bunch of restaurants that come up and then a spa and then a hotel and a movie chain. Suddenly you've got all this stuff on this random road between Des Moines and Peoria. Nobody would want to go to those places, but now Des Moines and Peoria become super popular, not because they themselves are popular, but because all of that stuff on the road now is in demand. So now now you it costs more to go on this road not because of what it specifically does which is transport people from Peoria to Des Moines and back again but because there's so much stuff on the way so that is an increase in value of the coin that you use for for um, for transactions for for working on a particular chain can 
increase just because there's cool stuff on it. That's if you put a lot of cool decentralized applications on it, then you've increased the value of your platform, not because the platform does something particularly unique or does something that is um, particularly effective or it does something that's in demand. It's because you have a lot of stuff that people want to be involved in. You've built a community with a lot of applications that take advantage of that community in a way that the community likes. That's more like Ethereum, right? Ethereum itself is an old technology, and it's clunky, and it has a lot of problems, and ordinarily, people wouldn't necessarily be interested in it, but it built up an amazing community, and there's a lot of people who are early adopters and willing to get involved in stuff. So it has enormous value, not because it does something very effectively or well. It doesn't. There are many other systems that do things much better and much cheaper than it does. But it has an enormous community that has allowed really cool stuff to be built on it that has utility for more people than just that community. So that is why it's increased in value. I'm sorry, Dr. Francine wanted to say something. Oh, Francine, your mic is off. Thanks, Alexandra. I mean, I'm just... Yes, thank you. Wait, oh. I wanted to um, put this on a more... What have we been hearing on all the other sites and all the other rooms that we go in level? So I'm going to say that the platform that that I use most often now is Ethereum. Ethereum is a blockchain that was started um, right after Bitcoin by a guy named Vitalik Buterin. And he's kind of a cool guy, and Ethereum caught on, and I invested in that for a while, and it didn't move up as quickly as Bitcoin did. On the other hand, it didn't move down as quickly as Bitcoin did. But now we find that Ethereum has another um, another purpose, and that is we can use Ethereum to buy other coins or other NFTs, and I'm going to save NFTs for another time. But what I want to say is that the most useful coin right now to have, if you want to participate in this economy, isn't really Bitcoin at all. Um, It's Ethereum, although the Bitcoin people will likely tell you something else. And everyone has their opinion and everyone is entitled to their opinion. Now, so, why should you be involved in this? You shouldn't necessarily be involved in it to make money. Although those of us who spoke at the very beginning um, spoke about how much money we had made. There's something about new projects in the crypto world that says if you are very early into, into them, that's where the money is made. And once they become popular or even interesting, there's less likelihood of making any money. And in a minute, I'm going to uh, talk about uh, Rally Coin and Karma Coin. But first, I want to know if anyone else has something they'd like to contribute, like Barbara or Rablaka or Lavina. Can I just go back a second um, on what you were saying? Sorry, Barbara, go ahead. No, go ahead, Sandra. Let's continue the flow, and I have a question. Okay, so so here's here's the thing about um, about Bitcoin and blockchain and being able to buy NFTs, etc. So Bitcoin was the very first chain built on a consensus method called proof of work, which just requires when you hear about all the computer power, et cetera, of blockchain, what they're talking about primarily, and these aren't the only ones, but these are the heavy use ones, are Bitcoin, the Bitcoin blockchain, and a separate blockchain called Ethereum. These are the two remaining big players of proof of work, and even uh, Ethereum is converting to a new system called proof of stake, which is much lower powered. Okay, so uh, if you look at Bitcoin and Ethereum, originally, why did people purchase Bitcoin other than this is a pretty cool thing, etc.? 
um, people purchased Bitcoin, they had to, you had to buy Bitcoin in order to get on any other altcoins. So uh, in 2017, 2016, um, before you could directly buy into any particular coin, say Filecoin or whatever, you had to convert. So a bunch of people started buying Bitcoin so that they could convert it into another coin. There was a new project, and most of the people who invested in those projects were people who fundamentally believed in that project. Filecoin, for example, is an interplanetary filing system. It's IPFS. You may have heard of it. It's a way to store things on a bunch of computers, um, parts of things on on different computers. Um, And if you wanted to have any access to that coin, you couldn't buy it directly. You had to buy it through Bitcoin, and then eventually... Bitcoin and Ethereum were the two coins you could buy in order to get into other coins. That was the reason why people built up stores of Ethereum and Bitcoin. Ethereum had was the first system to be able to do something um, uh, that was called smart contracts, which you may have heard about. The difference really between Bitcoin and blockchain and the, the eight people who started Ethereum all came from Bitcoin. And what they said is Bitcoin is not something that's called Turing complete. It can't plan to do actions that are triggered where it starts and it stops on its own. That's a really complex set of uh, uh, a really complex skill for a computer. So what they said is Bitcoin can transfer Bitcoin from one person to another. But that's really the most it's good for. But it's very good at that. So for um, for the um, Ethereum, they said, hey, what if we allow, instead of just transferring, uh, you know, the same asset back and forth, we allow people to trade assets between accounts and we allow them to do things like automatically start and stop things. And that is the the base power of, um, of basically blockchain is the ability to automate processes that include transferring things from one account to another. So... Ethereum uh, happened to also start building, and this was 2015, um, um, the ability to transfer an asset that wasn't essentially like money, a non-fungible asset. Non-fungible just means not exchangeable for something that's identical. One quarter is just like another quarter. Non-fungible just means I have a Picasso, you have a dolly. They may be valued the same, but if I give you my Picasso and you give me your dolly, we don't have identical items, right? They're, they're still different. They are. They will. They will grow at different rates. They have different. Uh, they have. They have different values underlying it. So um, that's all that non-fungible means. It's not about art or anything like that. It's just a token-based asset that links to something with ownership. That's it. So Barbara, that- let, let, let's let Barbara ask her question. Thank you, Alexandra. Here's here's um, what you're hearing, uh, ladies and gentlemen in the room. You are hearing an attorney who is very skilled at this and has been in it for a very long time give you very accurate information about how things work. But I know people are going to have questions. You already have a question? Yeah. So, very interesting. I said, you actually haven't really answered my question. The only thing I have is, so I, I own 24 Block X miners, and I have over 35 million tokens in there. And they are, you know, going public, and they're looking and a little bit in stealth mode, so I'm being a little cryptic about this. But eventually, they're offering to pay in Bitcoin. But Bitcoin is dropping. So, is that... What, what do you what do you sense about Bitcoin in the future? No one can really sense anything about Bitcoin in the future because it's moved by a market and the market is moved by people and it depends on how people feel. The only thing I can say, it, and, and here we say what everyone in cryptocurrency says, not financial advice. And believe me, for me, it's really not financial advice because my PhD is in communications. And so what I'm, what I'm saying is in the past, Bitcoin has had a pretty steady upward trajectory, uh, interspersed with a lot of crashes. 
but in general, it's on the upward, you know, kind of on the upward path if you look at it over a long period of time. Long period of time could be five years. You know what I'm saying? So I, you know, yes. there are enough people holding Bitcoin and enough institutions holding Bitcoin so that my political, um, I don't want to call them skills, but, you know, my political intuitions tell me that Bitcoin will now be protected. And I heard uh, Gary Gensler, who is the head of the SEC, say that, that uh, we are not going to over-regulate cryptocurrency. So that's one thing that always scares people who want to um, be paid in cryptocurrency or invest in cryptocurrency or something like that. And I'm from the United States' standpoint, they see cryptocurrency as a, as a way to keep the United States up front um, into the future. And, and they want the United States to be a big player in the future. And that means having the United States be a big player in cryptocurrency. And that means not over-regulating it. So does that help? I mean, I, we can't make predictions, Barbara. We just don't know. Yeah, I get it. Thanks. So if I don't mind okay. asking a simple question. So are we, we're talking about databases, right? And Ethereum is one database and blockchain is on its own database. And then we have, uh, that's a no. blockchain. No, 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 okay. no, no, no. no. There's cryptocurrency, right? There's Ethereum, yeah. which is a currency. No, 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 no. nothing's really a currency. No, in so far as people are willing to accept it as a currency. I mean, Ethereum isn't used by any governing Either. body. Not yet, yeah. It but won't I, be. Yeah, I'm just curious, so, though, because technically it's like a beta versus VHS, is it not? No, 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 not at all, not at all. They're not competitive because they don't do the same thing. Mm -hmm. So first, the blockchains, you have to think of them, them as literally like they're different roads, so they don't do the same thing. Roads, to do the same thing, they'd lie on top of each other. They don't do the same thing. They're separate roads. The Bitcoin blockchain and the Ethereum blockchain are very separate. So are like Algorand and Cosmos and Solana. Those are all separate blockchain platforms with their own ecosystem, their own ability to have spas and salons and, and hotels and all that stuff on them, right? They can a little bit connect to one another that is called interoperability and is one of the key problems just to go back and first there's no databases databases are centralized sorry decentralized ledgers yeah sorry yeah so these are decentralized systems that are kept by an automated system that is extremely secure that's basically what happens so think of it as a circle think of it as a circle Heyman, in which your um you want to send a dollar bill from one person in the circle to the other. And so you initiate a transaction and you put the dollar bill into the circle and the dollar bill continues traveling around the circle and everybody in the circle who uh, it verifies the transaction. Yes, this dollar bill was put on in the circle by Heyman. Yes, I saw that dollar bill. It was put on the on the circle by Heyman, and it goes around and around till it comes out at a destination point on the circle where it is meant to be. And at that destination point, the transaction. Um, is verified, so to speak. Be, everybody along the way has also verified it. But the, the end user now knows that they have it. So it really isn't linear at all, you know, and, and it's not, I, I think the name blockchain is kind of a bad, it's kind of a bad name for it. But what it means is that the transaction goes through a lot of different points which are, are called nodes, and each one verifies it. And sometimes, um, you know, the, the, and they all, it, and it, it, it arrives in the same condition it started. 
It's not like telephone where things change as they go around the circle. It's it's really verifiable. Okay, I get, I have money in my crypto wallet, and um, and I'm giving my um, money to um, OpenSea to buy a pudgy penguin. Which and so my wallet says yes. She has this Ethereum, you know, and then I get over to, I get over to OpenSea and OpenSea says, yes, she has this Ethereum in her wallet, Pudgy Penguin. Do you want to sell to her? And Pudgy Penguin says, yeah, I'm desperate to sell to her. And so then the transaction the wallet asks me to sign off on the transaction asks open c to sign off on the transaction and in between there is a site called etherscan and all etherscan does is watch these transactions go back and forth and and so that it's finally able to say yeah here's here's this transaction that took place at this time, this is its transaction number. And so it's somewhat traceable. So, so that it's, it's really a hard concept to get. And the, the easiest way to get it is to take a small amount of money and put it somewhere. And that's going to give me a good segue into rally and why I started the rally coin. I, I, I started the rally coin, the karma coin on rally because rally is a, what's known as a side chain of Ethereum. By side chain, it means it's an application built on Ethereum. Uh, but it doesn't have as as Alexander so aptly said with the toll road analogy, it doesn't have tolls. Rally <laughs> Ethereum has pretty hefty tolls, and those are called gas fees. And you may have heard people um, talking about gas fees. And and right now, gas fees on Ethereum are very high. So if you want to do something like buy and trade a little cryptocurrency, you're likely going to pay a big commission or a big gas fee. So the idea of rally is to take people who are not necessarily, you know, going to bet their lives on cryptocurrency to get them on a platform where they can buy a coin. And what that coin is, is a community token you the, the token the karma token supports this community and that's all it does and if you want to buy it it's cheap and if you want to hold it sometimes it goes up sometimes it goes down you don't lose very much but what the aggregated amount of rally coin holders um is able to do what i wanted to do which was support other creators. And so far, the support that I've gotten from rally coin holders, I've used to give small uh, grants to people, creators who really needed them at the time um, I was able to give them. And so if you want to buy, if you want to experiment with crypto and you want to not pay a lot of fees, commission fees, what's called gas fees, if you don't want to pay a lot of fees and you want to support what I'm doing, which is really supporting other artists, um, and you want to learn about crypto, go to rally.io uh, slash creator slash karma. Can you pin that? Uh, yeah, I'll do that. And you can just try it out. Just try it out. And Rally is having sort of a bonus thing where uh, if you sign up on Rally.io now, it will give both you and me Karma coin, uh, Rally coins uh, to play around with. And I'm, I'm all for playing around with all of this because, you know, real money is expensive. 
and rally, rally money, which is almost like monopoly money, is not expensive. So anyway, if you want to do that, please, please do. Um, and let's go back to blockchain and crypto. There are no hands raised. Does that mean everybody knows everything and doesn't need any help? <laughs> uh, Dr. Fredsin, can I uh, possibly just, um, uh, you know, add some thoughts to the conversation? But absolutely, because do I know everything? No chance. No, I, I, I doubt we all know everything. Uh, but just to uh, uh, Barbara's point about the fluctuation of the market and on the things that you touched on in terms of regulations, um, you know, as you guys were talking about those subjects, what came to mind is research. Um, so, you know, this becomes quite a key area in terms of understanding um, what crypto um is so for example if you want to uh, buy uh, bitcoin um go and research it go and investigate it um you know because the more you know about these projects um the more empowered you are to make the right kind of decisions and you know what i've learned through my journey is that there is no silly question when it comes to crypto because everyone is uh, you know on a different level path and the community is just as large as, you know, um, loving to share uh, their knowledge and expand. Um, so I just thought I'll add the aspect of research. So thank you. Thank you. That's, that's an awesome, an awesome addition. Uh, Rick is going to be next. And then I want uh, Black Karen to tell her story. And I'm only calling her Black Karen because she calls herself Black Karen. Um, Rick? Yeah, thank you very much. You know, it's uh, it's an interesting thing. I've had I've had some Bitcoin. I've dabbled in Bitcoins for twelve years or so. Um, I haven't really done anything with it other than you know investing a little bit. You know, sometimes when it's down, I'll buy a little more. Um, I I don't have a lot of it. Um, I have some Rally Coin. I have Ethereum a little bit. Um, you know, I, I've, I've read a lot about it. I've, I've listened to a lot of these shows. I still don't see any great value to them. Um, or, you know, it's, it's a different way of doing the same thing that we've been doing for centuries. Um, you know, it, it's a fast way to do it. You know, if I want to buy a Bitcoin, I still have to go through an exchange. I have to pay a fee. So it's it's kind of like a front-loaded stock or a mutual fund. Um, but, you know, it, it's, it's all very interesting. I still don't see that it's going to be a giant game changer. Um, and I think it may take a lot of time for that to happen, for somebody to really come up with, with something, so it, it's interesting. It, it's definitely worth exploring. Uh, I still don't see any great uh, big light bulb going off. It's way too complicated for most people um, to understand. Um, but you know, if if there can be a much simpler way of explaining the benefits to an average person on the street. Um, that would okay. Really I, I'm, I'm going to do that for you, Rick, right now. All right. Okay. Um, if you were an entrepreneur and you were starting a business, um, one way that you could now raise money for your business would be to issue a coin, a token, a crypto token on let's say for argument's sake the ethereum blockchain because that because the the ethereum blockchain is the one that allows smart contracts and you would issue tokens and you would have a smart contract that said what i want to do is create a wire net wireless mesh network all across the world that operates off of peer-to-peer -peer meshing 
and connects everybody much cheaper than the current network. And that was somebody's idea. They wanted to do a connected wireless um, mesh network. Um, and the name of the project was Helium. And uh, the name of the coin, I can't remember right now. But that's, that is where um, Helium raised its money. And what I think of is that most of these, most of these token projects are like startups and most of them have a purpose to do something. And most of them won't get it done because most of the things they want to do are very difficult. But the ones that will, will blow it out of the park, you know, because, because they will have been able to raise money that, oh, uh, go ahead, Karen. Sorry, no, I was, I, I would. All right, because they would not have access to the funds. And I, I know I follow you in the rundown, Karen, so I know that you know this story, and I, and, and I know that you can contribute. So why don't you take over? Hey, you know, thank you so much for inviting me up. And, yes, I um, am a crypto enthusiast. Um, and I think I'm an enthusiast for a couple of reasons. And I also just want to um, confirm what Lavinia said. You really have to do your own research. Um, but I knew at the beginning of the pandemic that this was going to be a great time of innovation. Um, and I have a couple of friends who are futurists who have been in Bitcoin and crypto for a long time. And um, I um, ended up in Rundown's crypto room. Um, and for me, I think the um, thing that is exciting, so the challenge is that it's incredibly complicated and you have wallets and you have apps and you have too many apps and it, it's really complicated. I think one of the turning points for me um, was the rise of crypto.com, um, which is a website and they recently renamed the Staples Center, which is the home that Kobe Bryant built, um, uh, crypto.com arena. And it is uh, for me, and this is not financial advice, which is something you'll hear in all these rooms. You know, I grew up in the NBA. Um, they had a, a, their debut was on Christmas. My dad always played on Christmas because that was one of the NBA holidays. Um, I felt an affinity for Kobe. It just for me personally, um, being part of a league that's um, focused on innovation um, really resonated with me. And so um, Mark Cuban, who's also in the NBA, has this Voyager app. So I downloaded that because uh, there was free Bitcoin and I was curious. Um, and both of the apps, um, Voyager, um, but I'm much more bullish on Crypto.com, were something that I could turn to my peer or to my brother and say, hey, you can do this. Now, setting up a MetaMask wallet and explain to him in theory and all of that just would not have been a helpful conversation. Um, and so, you know, it is uh, user-friendly. You don't have to worry as much about seed phrases. There are all these security things. There are all these barriers to entry. And so for me, I think of um, crypto as not if but when. And to me, this was a tool that could be uh, that could help with mass adoption. Um, and you and know I also, what? Can I tell you something, Karen? That that I heard the guy that started Crypto.com on Sam Harris's podcast. Sam Harris had a podcast um, called Earning to Give, and this fellow who started Crypto.com, who is a billionaire. Um, was on it talking about how he started it because he wanted to earn money to give away, which is really what I'm doing with Rally. I'm trying to earn money to give it away. And this guy has a publicly traded company. And you know how old he is, Karen? 29. So, Rick, if you want to know what the the use of of uh, this kind of cryptocurrency investing might be for. It's to allow somebody, you know, who is young and talented and would otherwise not have access to capital, uh, the capital to pursue a dream that he wanted to pursue that really is going to help other people 
and change the world. And I loved him so much. And I loved this Sam Harris podcast so much, you know, that I've redoubled my efforts on rally and the whole, um, taking this pledge called earning, it's called earning to give. It's the earning to give pledge. And that is what I'm doing with the rally. But yeah, it's, this guy would have never had access to this kind of money. And his story is amazing. You should listen, Karen, to that Sam Harris. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah I, I, I'm really grateful for that, too. And I think for me, the other thing that was really appealing was, um, you know, the Rundown's room was full with people of color. Um, there are a lot of Africans, um, you know, all types of people, um, truck drivers and nurses, um, and it was also a place, and I know that um, uh, Rebecca for the Blacks will appreciate that, that it's a challenge to be sometimes, sometimes it's a challenge to be a Black woman on social media. I mean, social media is a challenge for a lot of reasons. Um, and so he elevates a lot of women's voices and women of color. Um, and I do believe that for some people, um, this could be, you know, transformational, generational wealth. Um, and that there was something that I wanted to um, you know, I was curious about, and the other thing that I did too was I started uh, very, very small. Um, and you know, the, one of the rules is don't um, bet, which you know really sort of sums up what it what it what it really is because it is speculative with money that you cannot lose. And so my first investments were all five dollars. That was like I'll put five dollars here, I'll put five dollars there. Uh, as I learned the ropes um, and a lot of, you know, sort of microtransactions and trial runs and stuff. But I think the other thing, too, and, and I know you know this, too, Francine, because you're a community builder. Um, you know, you have Alexandra here. I will be in any room that she is speaking in. Um, and just feeling curious and feeling like there were I had teammates who were um you know, smart one thing and, and, you know, good at another thing. And so it's been really rewarding. Now, financially, it has not been uh, as rewarding as I wish. Um, I sort I started in a, a, a bull market, which is the high market. So buying stuff that's high. And so um, my, um, my wallets do look like crime scenes, but I am in, I learned that I'm not a day trader. I'm an investor and I'm in it for the long haul. And so I am just learning the skills um, from other people in rooms like this to um, get started, uh, try not to lose too much, um, and be what I think is really part of the future and the global future. Um, I was, the, I was um, trying to transfer money from one bank into an app, and I had to wait like three days. And I was thinking that's because American banks are open Monday to Friday. And so... There are a lot of people who aren't on American banking time in this world. And so I do love the idea of the global connection. Um, and I absolutely do agree with you, uh, Dr. Francine, that um, it, is a, um, it is a community that is, wants to make the world a better place in so many, so, for so many reasons. But also, it is risky and dangerous and people will slip into your DMs and try to swindle you. So you have to really be safe. And it's one of the things I also like about uh, Rundown's Room is that we talk about safety a lot and what not to do. Uh, I joke and I'll finish here. I'll land my plan here is that, you know, uh, investing in crypto is like being in a zombie apocalypse. Someone could be a friend. Someone could be someone hiding a zombie bite or a zombie. You just don't know. So trust no one. Um, I'm Black Karen. I'm finished. Well, that's it. all of that is true and wonderful. And, and, and I think kind of uh, echoes the way I've approached it. I don't, I, I want to be part of the future. Everybody does. And there's going to be more rooms on this. We're going to hold more rooms on it because it's just such a big topic. And we haven't even gotten into smart contracts yet or, um, or NFTs or any of the other things. We're, I'm going to do another, at least one more room on this. I, I have, um, invested a lot now in nfts last year and if if let me say 
something about NFTs before I tell you what's going to happen next week and in the future and reiterate my rally.io begging. Um, (laughs) NFTs make land look like a liquid investment. That's all I have to say. Every little NFT is its own little startup. It's a little project that was started by a very enthusiastic entrepreneur, either an artist or another kind of creator. And some of them will succeed and some of them won't succeed. And to me, it's really not very different from the venture investing that I used to do. And so it's sort of like venture investing with a shorter time horizon. But I, I, I got to say that it's very enjoyable. You learn all about these projects. You learn all about people's ideas. And there are amazing ideas out there, people with fantastic ideas out there in that space. And it's, <laughs> yes, some NFTs make very good avatars. I don't have an NFT as my clubhouse avatar right now. But if you've been here for a long time, you you know that I've been uh, switching avatars in and out for a long time. And I'm going to uh, go back and talk about NFTs and um, the tokenized economy in two weeks. Next week, we have a phenomenal guest speaker, and that is Jason Steinauer who is another one of my um, my coin-holding friends. And he has written a book called History Disrupted. And it's about how social media has affected history. And I, I thought it was so fantastic that I ordered it for my grandson, who is, you know, taking history in a British prep school. But, you know, we're all aware that in, <laughs> that history is being rewritten in a lot of different ways, um, not all of them wonderful. But Jason is terrific, and you will love hearing him. And then um, the week after that, I will probably go back to this. And before we close the room, I want to remind you to go to rally.io slash creator slash karma and sign up. Because even if you don't buy anything, if you sign up on the site, I get karma rewards and the karma rewards go to other artists. And to me, that is really important. Now, Rick, I know you might say, isn't there a shorter cut to doing this? Yeah, there probably is. But there's not one that involves making a community as well and meeting wonderful people and making friends and supporting artists. And on that, I want to thank Heyman Buen, who is my trusty co-pilot because um, it's all I can do to get here, open up the room, and open my mouth. And Heyman does a lot of the rest. And by the way, Heyman is paid in karma coin. So <laughs> that's, that's fun. So, and then Barbara Annis is asking, do we want to do another room on gender intelligence? And of course we do. So, Uh, Stay tuned. I've got to do some longer-term programming because we've got some really um, fantastic (laughs) co-collaborators. Rick Sanchez just said, full disclosure, I own Karma Coin. What a sweetheart. Thank you so much. (laughs) And uh, I can say something super fast. Oh, of course. Yay! So um, thank you so much for having this room, Dr. Francine, for the blacks. Uh, I think it's important to uh, demystify something that seems very scary, you know, critical race theory, NFT. I think it all goes into the same basket for some people "Ah!" and they get scared. Uh, So this is my comic relief to say that um, I, on behalf of 
others in the room truly appreciate the fact that you are curating a safe space within the crypto world um, where we were like, well, with, we, we trust Francine. So, okay, I'll do crypto because of her, you know, versus like this nebulous, you know, crypto thing that this seems like way too scary um, for people to uh, adhere to. So, you know, again, um, uh, well, not again, but there's a proverb, very simple one, each one, teach one. And so that's what you've done today. You've taught us all. That, that's my thing. Each, yep, one, each one, teach one. one. Yep. Exactly. Oh, yay. We're bla- I love we're black. Uh, for the oh, remember, it's always for the blacks. I know I said it. I said it. Making sure. Said it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Until next week, friends, and I know you are all my friends. Thank you. Yes. Thank you so much. Thank you. This is great, Dr. Francine. Bye. We'll, talk. we'll see you soon. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Thank you, man. Bye. Take care, all. Bye. Thanks for joining on the call inside as well. Uh, Lucia, nice to see you again, and uh, look forward to chatting more in the future. Yeah, uh, join us next time, and uh, we'll definitely have more shows coming up, especially the political show coming up next week, Democracy. Take care. Bye. Take care, bye.